This month we'll be exploring our way through the biblical book of Hosea, and instead of just telling the story of Hosea, we're going to see a series of short films that show us the story of Hosea in a modern context. So hope you appreciated that first installment, and we're going to begin each message in the series with uh, another short film like that, films that, that show us the story and not just tell us. And the story of Hosea, boy, it has so much to teach us. I'm excited to dive into it uh, with you together, showing it and telling it. And that, that phrase, show and tell, is pretty appropriate for this series because that really sums up the, the message of Hosea. It's, uh, well, before we get into that, uh, I want to share with you a true story of uh, show and tell disaster. True story. Uh, some friends of ours, they have a little boy, and uh, they went to the zoo, right? Uh, just beautiful day, kind of like today, decided to spend it at the zoo. And uh, the, the zoo they went to just happened to have uh, some baby penguins recently born. And so they were excited to see these baby penguins, and the zoo put on a little show and tell. So you could meet the penguins, you could pet them, and, and this kind of a thing. And so uh, very exciting, fun, informative for the kids and all that kind of thing. Well, that night they get home... And uh, the mom is a little bit curious because this little boy is acting very, very well behaved. You know, so her, her spidey sense is tingling a little bit. There's got to be something going on, right? And, um, you know, he said all the way through dinner, didn't complain, had good manners, all this kind of thing. Well, the real kicker is whenever it was time for bath time. Always a point of contention for little boys, you know. And she said, okay, honey, it's time for your bath. And he said, okay, mom. And he rushes upstairs, and while like, boom, sirens flaring, lights, she knows something is up, right? So she goes upstairs, and they go into the bathroom, and there in the bathtub is a baby penguin. It's a true story. Somehow, this little kid had stuck it in his backpack without anybody noticing and got it all the way home. So... That's not even the best part of the story, right? The best part of the story is this mom is, you know, frantically trying to figure out what to do about this penguin, finally gets a hold of somebody at the zoo and is like, hey, I don't know how it happened, but I have one of your baby penguins. And the person on the other phone is like, uh, no, you don't. That's impossible. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. She had to convince them that, yes, I really do have a baby penguin, and you've got to come pick it up. I don't even know what penguins eat. You know. She, so uh, anyway, they got it all sorted out, but certainly a show and tell to remember, right? <laughs> uh, so what does show and tell have to do with God? Well, as it turns out, quite a bit, uh, because one thing that we know about God is that he wants to reveal himself. He wants to show us what he's really like, and he wants to tell us about himself. God wants us to know what he's like. Even from the beginning, that's been God's desire. Uh, Thousands of years ago, when he gave the law to uh, to his people through Moses, he didn't uh, just give them the law because he likes rules. That's not what God is like. He gave them the law as a way to show us who he is. The law ultimately tells us something about God. It tells us what he values. Uh, That's one of the first ways that we learn about what God thinks about things like love or things like justice and uh, just uh, helping paint a picture of what God is like as his uh, people try to live that out and reflect that to the world. And uh, just think about the Ten Commandments. They teach us that, that God is concerned with the kind of things that, that draw our heart's attention. He's concerned with things like theft. He's concerned with coveting, with faithfulness and marriage. And they tell us something about what God is like, uh, that the law ultimately then reflects God's character 
and his priorities. It's, it's not just telling us about God, but it's also showing us. And God desires to show himself continually. You know, he didn't just give the law and walk away. He continues to show up for his people. One of the ways he does that over and over is he sent prophets, people who would remind God's people of what God was really like and what he wanted them to be like as they reflect that. that he would, uh, they would tell about God and they would show about God. And, um, you know, this series we're going to be exploring this prophet Hosea. And like all the prophets, Hosea has a unique calling by God to, to remind the people of what God is really like. Hosea's job is to reflect God's character and reflect God's priorities. So not just showing, but also telling what God is really like. Because just like us, it's easy for them to forget. They started interpreting God just through their own experiences. And as a result, they grew apart from God. They started uh, developing faulty ways of thinking about God, which turned into faulty behaviors. And so even though this book of Hosea is 3,000 years old, it has a lot to teach us today about what God is really like. And one thing that's going to help us, I think, right from the beginning is just understanding a little bit about what exactly a prophet is. Because I think the idea of, of a prophet has gotten confused a lot in our minds. We tend to think of a prophet as a person who can uh, predict the future. But that's not really the role of a prophet. They, they don't have any more insight into the future than you and I do. I mean, a prophet, they can't tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl in 2020. Okay, they can't tell you that. You might be surprised to to learn that only 1% of all the prophecy in the Bible is in the future. Only, Only a tiny fraction of it is yet to come. And so when we think about the prophets, they're not so much talking about the future. Their job is to show and tell, to, 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 meaning they, they show what God is like and, and they tell us what God is like. And so for us to understand the prophets correctly, I think we have to recognize they're not so much looking forward as they're really looking back looking back at how God has already shown himself, what he's already told the people. So the primary, prof- primary role of a prophet is really something like, like holding up a mirror. And the job is to reflect God to the people of God by proclaiming the message of God, to, to, to show and to tell what God is really like. And that's true of all the prophets, which means it's true of Hosea and uh, His message ultimately is that, just telling people what God is really like and how they're supposed to live as they reflect God to the world. And so he does that by looking back. And there's one particular passage that I think is really helpful to understanding not just Hosea, but but all the prophets. Uh, Way back at the beginning, when God gave the law through Moses, he outlined what would happen if people obeyed, if people followed the law. And, uh, and he also told them what would happen if they failed to follow the law. Right from the beginning, God made it clear, you know, because even though it might feel like this, he's really not in the business of hiding himself and surprising people. God wants to be known. He's, he's, he wants to show himself. And so, so you might say, back at the beginning, God did his own version of show and tell. He put all his cards on the table, and he, he told people exactly what they could expect, okay? In the book of Deuteronomy, God gives the law to his people, and as Moses finishes sharing, the law, then um, that's when God lays all his cards out on the table. He tells them this. He says, all these blessings will come upon you if you obey the Lord your God. And now he goes on to list all the blessings. I'm not going to read all the blessings because there's a lot of them. It's a big long list. But, but my point is simply that God told them in advance 
what good things would come if they followed God. And uh, in other words, if they're God's people, they want to represent God to the world, reflect who he is to the world, and these are the blessings that will come if they do that. And after God lists all these blessings, he goes on to talk about what would happen if they failed to follow the law. I mean, it's almost as if he knew that they might not pay attention to him. It's crazy, right? But he, he, he goes on to list the blessings, and then he says this. He says, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God, all these curses will come upon you. And again, I'm not going to read all the bad things to you because there's a whole lot of them. And it's a very specific list. So specific, in fact, that uh, some scholars think, well, there's no way this was original. It must have been written generations later after all these things had come true and then added to the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, because if you read the list, uh, all these things that God said would happen, they actually did happen to the people. And ultimately, the the judgment from God took the form of exile, of being uh, kicked out of the promised land. But Certainly God is capable of knowing what's going to happen in the future, and it's very much in line with who God is to to lay his cards out on the table, to warn people what might happen if they fail to follow him, if they stop reflecting what he's really like to the world, if they become self-focused instead. And so, so here come these prophets years later, and they come not telling the future, but looking at the past, reminding people, hey, have you noticed all these blessings that aren't coming to us anymore? And have you noticed that all those curses, they're happening? We need to re- refresh ourselves. We need to refocus ourselves on God. You know? And that's a paraphrase, but, but in a sense, that's what the prophets do, just reminding people of what God had already said when he laid all his cards out on the table. He would bless them for obedience. He would curse them for disobedience. If they ignored God, then he would let them know through their circumstances. And so God sends prophets just to help people refocus on who he is and what he's really like. And therefore, how they should live as they reflect what he's like. So let me, uh, let me break it down in a way that will hopefully help us all understand a little more easily. Think about the prophets like a, a sports analogy, Okay. There's two teams. There's Israel and Judah, the two kingdoms of God's people. And if you read all the other prophets, there's other countries, other teams, but we're going to keep it simple. So Israel in the north, Judah in the south, okay, two teams. And and in sports, you've got to have a referee. Well, that's God. He's the one who knows the rules. I mean, he wrote them. Uh, he knows them backwards and forwards. And so he enforces the rules. And, and the rules are just these laws that, God, that we talked about, these curses and, and, uh, and blessings that, that God would give if they followed the rules. And so continue the sports analogy. If you break a rule, you get a penalty, right? Maybe a, a yellow card or a loss of down, whatever. And... And these are the punishments that God laid out from the beginning. He doesn't ever introduce new stuff. He doesn't surprise them. It's all what he already had, had explained. He wants everybody to know the rules and the penalties. And so when God sends a prophet, their role is something like, uh, like color commentary, right? They're the, the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman of ancient Israel, okay? They're just telling people what the score is, telling people how they're doing and reflecting what God is like. And the message of Hosea is is very much like that. He tells people they haven't followed God. And if they continue in this path, then more bad things are going to happen. But his message is not just telling. In fact, most people who read the book of Hosea, they couldn't tell you much of what Hosea has to say, much of the telling. What Hosea is really famous for is the showing. uh, God uh, gives Hosea uh, a really unique way to show 
what God is like and, and then how the people have reflected what God is like as a result of that. We got a hint of that in that short film, but we'll talk more about that in just a moment. And so, so it's not just Hosea's teaching that gets people's attention. It's much more the showing, the situation he found himself in, this unique calling by God, this way to demonstrate the relationship that God has with his people. God calls Hosea to something very, very challenging, but ultimately a way for Hosea just to reflect back to the people how they were treating God, how they reflected God so poorly. So let's take a look at the book of Hosea. We're going to start right at the beginning. Uh, Look with me at Hosea chapter 1, and Hosea is just a little bit more than halfway through your Bible, right after the book of Daniel. If you find uh, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, you've gone too far. It's on page 797 in my Bible. That'll help you. Uh, so hopefully you're on your way to finding that. You can always follow along on the screen. So uh, chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 2. <clears throat> when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery and departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So God asks Hosea to do something pretty outrageous. He asks Hosea not just to tell the people what God is like, how they've done such a bad job of reflecting him, but also to show them. He asks Hosea to live out the relationship that God has with his people. And so God tells Hosea to marry this woman of of prostitution, this woman of adultery in the translation we just read. And, And scholars are a little bit divided about whether God is telling Hosea to go and marry like a known prostitute or just a a woman who's kind of bent towards adultery. But I'm like, either way, no thank you. You know, it's a bad idea no matter what, right? This is a a, a huge thing to ask of a person. And and beyond that, God wants them to have children. So this is not just like a casual relationship that'll end in a couple of months. I mean, God tells Hosea, go marry this woman who's going to bring you pain and disappointment and then make a life with her, commit to her, stay with her, settle down with her. And notice when this occurs in Hosea's ministry, it says when the Lord began to speak through Hosea. It's right at the beginning right? He didn't have years of faithful ministry to God that people could point to and, oh, there's old Hosea at it again. He's always been a little wacky, but this is a big step even for him. And no, this is a young person. You know, his family was like, please don't do it. You're going to ruin your life. Don't marry this person, right? But that's what God calls Hosea to, a, a lifetime of ministry that shows people what God is really like. Because God is faithful even to people who are unfaithful to him. God is faithful even to prostitutes, to people who turn their back on him over and over and over again. That's the purpose that God has in Hosea's marriage, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. Hosea is reflecting what God is really like, loving people who don't deserve it. He's a faithful God for fickle people. In 2004, an unusual ministry, to say the least, made some headlines. Um, Apparently, in Los Angeles every year, there's a big pornography convention. 
uh, where, where users of pornography and makers of pornography gather in a big convention center to, to celebrate their work and, you know, obviously not something that God is pleased about. But in 2004, one church decided to go to the convention and they didn't go so they could stand outside with, with megaphones and signs. They wanted to go inside. They wanted to minister to uh, both the, the users of pornography and the makers of pornography. And so they created a, a somewhat controversial t-shirt to help spread their message. And in case you can't read it, it says, Jesus loves porn stars. And uh, their point was very much like what God asks Hosea to do, to do something shocking, something a bit edgy, but something that will reflect what God is really like. I mean, does Jesus love pornography? No, of course not. But does, it, does Jesus love people who've made bad decisions with their life? Yes. Yes, of course he does. So the t-shirts are intentionally uncomfortable, Right? And I share this with you not to make light of anything, but I just want us to understand the message that God gave Hosea. It's even more shocking than the message on these shirts. I want us all to realize who we are in this story, right? Because you may not think of yourself as a person of prostitution, or you may not think of yourself as on par with a porn star, but I can tell you that you're a person who's insecure. And I can tell you that you're a person who seeks validation and often seeks it in the wrong ways and in the wrong places and maybe with the wrong relationships. And I can tell you that you're a person who has a need for attention and you're willing to go to a lot of different places to find it, right? So maybe we're all a little bit more like porn stars than we'd like to admit. So when Hosea holds this mirror up to all of us, we need to see ourselves clearly. We need to understand what we're really like. We're people of adultery, or dare we even admit it, we're people of prostitution, giving ourselves over to any whim that draws our attention and meets our temporary need. And then we need to see what God is really like. He's a faithful God for the most fickle people. Faithful even when we don't deserve it. Well, this is the ministry and the message that God calls Hosea to, a radical life of showing and telling what God is really like. Hosea's marriage is a reflection of God's marriage to his people. So it's not so much Hosea that has a bad marriage, it's God. But he remains faithful to his fickle people throughout it all because that's what God is really like. So beyond the, the shock and the weirdness of Hosea's ministry, what do we learn from this book? One thing we're going to learn throughout the series is simply this. What is God like? I mean, what is God really like? Uh, we've all wondered that. We've all thought about it. And more importantly, we've all come to a conclusion about it. I mean, right or wrong, we've all made some decisions. And, and maybe for some of us, those decisions were based on study or based on teaching and, and reading the Bible. In fact, when I was a seminary student, I had to write a paper on the, the definition of God. What is God really like? You'll be glad to know I got an A, right? But for most of us, our, our textbook definition is a lot different from our reality, right? Uh, we, we know a lot of the right things to say about God, but how we live it out is a little bit different. I mean, for most of us, it's not so academic. Our idea of God is really based around our experiences, things that have happened to us or happened to people close to us, right? 
You know, maybe as a kid, you had a certain perspective on what God is like. We listened to our parents or Sunday school teachers, and they said God is good, and God rewards good, he punishes bad, he hears your prayers, and those things are true. But when we become an adult and we come face-to-face with adult realities, then we tend to adjust our understanding of what God is, is really like. Uh, just this, this last week, a study was released by the Pew Foundation. They asked all kinds of different people, religious people and non-religious people, what's God like? And even though 80% of American adults would say they believe in God, when they start talking about what God is really like, I mean, the answers are all over the map. There's just so much confusion, even amongst people who claim to be committed Jesus followers. Uh, for example, many of us, we call God our Heavenly Father. It's no big deal. It's, it's tradition, maybe even a really a comforting thing to some of us. But, you know, if you grew up without a father, or you grew up with an emotionally distant father, or an abusive father, then the idea of God as a Heavenly Father is, is not comforting at all. It's terrifying, right? I mean, if that's what God is really like, I don't want anything to do with him. Here's another example. Our culture talks a lot about the ideas of love or justice and you know, love for all kinds of people, justice particularly for the oppressed, and those are big ideas, but God's the one who created those ideas. He embodies them, and yet for us, we really are, are quick to divorce God from those ideas. From where we sit, God doesn't seem all that loving or God doesn't seem all that just. And each and every one of us has held up our view of God against our own unanswered prayers or our own unfulfilled desires, right? All, we all have things in our life that we wish God would have done or we wish he would have done differently. Or, you know, maybe big things, but maybe just simple things. You know, God, just take away this nagging pain, please. And either he won't do it or he can't do it. But all those unanswered prayers change the way we think about God. What is he really like? Well, in this series, we're going to answer that question. And I don't promise necessarily that we'll answer it, I guess. It depends partly on me and partly on you and your own response. But we're going to talk about it, about what is God really like. And as we've already said this morning, God wants to show himself to you and I. He wants to, to show and to tell who he is. God wants to make himself known to each and every one of us. I mean, throughout history, throughout the scriptures, that's God's very clear desire to be known by you and by me. In fact, that's one of the reasons that Jesus came. He came as God to reveal something about God, to show and tell what God is really like. So that's one thing I want all of us to take away from this morning. God wants to show us who he is, but we've got to be willing to pay attention and to let him. Another thing I want us to take away is, is we've got to realize who we are in this story, this, this twisted love story. We've got to acknowledge that we're all Gomer, the adulterous wife. We're all people of adultery, and I don't just mean adultery in our marriages, although that's true for some. I'm talking about spiritual adultery, and that is not an easy thing to come to terms with about ourselves, because we all want to think highly of ourselves. I mean, we all want to point to progress that we've made. You know, oh, you think I'm bad now? You should have known me back then. I was, you know, you would not have liked me then, but now, hey, I'm okay, right? Well, 
we're all growing. We're all people in process. That's great. But, but we've got to be honest with ourselves, you know. Our heart is always towards satisfying ourselves, always towards looking out for number one, being selfish, fulfilling our own desires. And we're not perfect people. Uh, we're all works in progress. And we've got to be honest with ourselves, we have to take a good look in the mirror. Are we really living in a way that, that reflects what God is like to a world that needs him? Uh, in the, the New Testament, James, the brother of Jesus, he says this, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Well, if God has told us what he is like, our job is to show and to tell, to reflect what God is really like. But that's hard to do because we're all adulterous, all willing to cheat on God with just about anything else that comes our way. So one thing we got to do is we got to be honest with ourselves. I mean, recognize who we are, recognize what we're capable of, but also recognize that even in our spiritual adultery, the world can still see God, the world's not interested in people who think they got it all together, right? I mean, what's the, the biggest criticism you hear about church people? You know, church people, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're telling you how to live, and they're over here making messes of their lives, right? I mean, we're not perfect people. If you think you're perfect, just ask somebody who's met you at least one time. They'll tell you. They'll straighten you out, right? So we've got to realize that, that who we are, but, but then that in recognizing that, that even in that, God, people can see what God is really like. He's faithful even to fickle people, even to people who turn their backs on him over and over and over again. God's love has no limits. I mean, after all, Jesus even loves porn stars. Another thing to take away from Hosea is the realization that we're all Hosea. And what I mean by that is that just like Hosea is called to show and to tell what God is like, we are too. We have the same calling. And now maybe God is not going to call us to a, a radical life of reflecting God, or maybe you know, you're not called to be a prophet, but God has called you to show and tell, to show the world what God is like and to tell people what God is really like. They're both important, and I think very often we think if we just... Show If we just live a life that, that's clean and, and neat and, and is, fo- uh, follows God, then, then someday people will ask us that question that we all kind of want to be asked. What makes you so different? Please tell me about Jesus. Well, nobody ever asks that question, right? I mean, showing is part of the work, yes. We have to live in a way that shows what God is like, but we also have to tell we have to be willing to engage people, to, to have conversations about God. And I think, you know, we think, okay, well, I'm ready to tell. If anybody should happen to ask, I'm ready. Well, we've got to be, we've got to realize there's a big difference between being ready to show and being ready to tell and actually doing it. We've got to ask ourselves, are we really living in a way that is unmistakably showing and telling the world what God is like? So my challenge is not just to realize that we're like Gomer, that's hard enough, but also to ask ourselves, how are we doing at being like Hosea? Are we responding to the hard things that God calls us to? Are we willing to represent God in every area of our lives, even if it costs us some things? 
Are we willing to live in a way that's countercultural, that's so different that the world has no choice but to look at us and, and see something of what God is like? And are we willing to tell, to tell people about God, starting with just what God has done for us? He's a faithful God for the most fickle people that there are. Because for so many of us, you know, our default strategy is, is we pray and we invite people to church. And those are good things, but they've got to be part of a bigger strategic life, a life that points people to God. We've got to show and tell with every aspect of our lives, radically living in a way that represents Christ to the world. One final point I want us to reflect on uh, for us, we read this Old Testament book of Hosea after there's a New Testament. And so we get to add one more layer of understanding to the story, right? For the original audience, they didn't have that benefit of living after Jesus came, but we do. And uh, God has shown himself in an even more complete way through Jesus. And he's saved and he's redeemed people. And his own ministry, his own life and death and resurrection is evidence that God's not calling any of us to something that he's not willing to do on a much, much grander scale. So the story of, Homer, of Hosea and Gomer remind us that, that God loves us not because of our faithfulness, but because of his faithfulness. At the end of this chapter, in chapter 1, God gives Hosea a message of hope. And it's interesting because the people haven't responded yet, nobody's turned back to God, and yet God still gives them this message of grace and of hope. Look with me at uh, verse 10. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, They'll be called sons of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will be reunited and they will appoint one leader. So we know that leader, of course, to be Jesus. And this passage hints at the future that's to come when Jesus rules his people with love and grace and unity. And so this study of Hosea should hopefully help us all draw nearer to Jesus He's the one who's the faithful husband of his bride, the church. And even though we live under his forgiveness, the forgiveness of Christ, we still are drawn away by sin all the time. But Christ continues not only to love us, but he intercedes on our behalf continually. And that should draw us to a deep sense of worship and thankfulness. We recognize the truth about ourselves and the great love that Christ has for us, faithful love for people who just don't deserve it. Let me pray for us. God, we, uh, we have to confess our great love and appreciation for you, even though we recognize that our lives don't always reflect that. And I pray that you would use this story of Hosea, this time in, in our study together, to help us be better at showing what you're like, at telling what you're like, and at living in a way that reflects you to the world. Thanks for uh, loving us, even in the times when we know we don't deserve it. We know we've screwed up. And thanks for loving us, even in times when we think we got it all together, but we're really only fooling ourselves, perhaps. Uh, pray that you would uh, just use this message, however you will, this week. And we love you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Oh, thanks, uh, Chris, for that very challenging teaching. In a few moments, we're going to be uh, collecting our offering. I'd like to remind you to fill out those blue connection cards. Uh, if you're with us and you're new, or even if uh, you're not, uh, we do like to, to receive those from you. And to, we'd love to hear from you, too, if you have a request, a prayer request, or something that you'd like to talk to one of the pastors about. Go ahead and fill that out on the back of your connection card. We do have a lot of ministries and a lot of things happening here at Trinity, and we'd like to highlight one of those this morning, uh, and that is Awana. We just completed the Awana ministry year last week with